welcome to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. Such a good Lord, we thank you for all you're doing and for all you're going to do. Lord, we pray your kingdom come. Lord, will you work in us and do something with us, Lord, that reaches into Blackpool, into the Farland and the Wire, and into the world. Lord, we stand as your servants. Thank you, God. Thank you for coming. Father, I pray for Jeremy as he brings your word to us, that you would just flow through him and speak into our hearts. Lord, continue to birth what it is you've already put in us. Thank you, God. Amen. Well, what a great, uh, what a great weekend we've been having. And uh, it's only going to get better, not because I'm speaking, but because we're going <laughs> to celebrate... Uh, eldership in the church, what a great privilege that's going to be to uh, lay hands on elders, to see this church fully established uh, as a fully functioning New Testament church. And I thought as we were doing that, I'd kind of look at what it, what is a New Testament church? And uh, we kind of get a glimpse of that. There's certain churches in the New Testament that you just get a glimpse of real values of how they work it out. And one of those is the church in Antioch. Now, you've probably heard quite a few preachers on the church in Antioch, and I'm very sorry, but we're going to have another one this morning. So if you've got a Bible, uh, let's have a look at the text, because I think it's really important just to look at it, because I think this is quite a model church. It's the first church, actually, that's in a Gentile context rather than a Jewish context. Obviously, we're in a Gentile context, so it's in a... uh, See, I think today we're not in a Christian society, we're not even in a post-Christian society. We're actually in a pre-Christian society, as in we haven't yet seen the kingdom come uh, in our culture. Uh, revival's going to come, uh, but we are very much a pagan society. So actually, you know, like I said to somebody this week, if only there was a book that kind of told you what it was like to preach the gospel into a pre-Christian society how that works. Oh, there is. It's, it's Acts. It's kind of in the Bible. And I think that's a great model for us. So just kind of have a look. Sorry, Acts. I haven't told you. Acts chapter 11 and 13 we're going to look at. Uh, just a few verses. Just tell you where Antioch was geographically, just so that you know that. It was the third largest city in the ancient world. It was a big, cosmopolitan, multicultural city. And uh, it was kind of on a crossroads of communication, a little bit like being on the M6, it was kind of like a, a key city, just like Blackpool's a key city, and the Blackpool's becoming more and more multicultural, I think, yeah. it hasn't been in the past, but actually more and more it's becoming multicultural, I think we can, uh, we can take some of these principles of this church in Antioch and we can apply it to you in Blackpool, it was interesting, it, it was a very multicultural city, but it was a very segregated city, there was lots of different quarters, there was a Jewish quarter in there. There was a, a Greek quarter, and there was a, uh, a quarter of people from that background and that background. But it was quite segregated. Mm. And actually, it's interesting, in that segregation, God does something absolutely wonderful. 
of unity and togetherness, which is what I would believe we want to do amongst you. So if you found Acts chapter 11, we're just going to read verses 19 to 26, and then Acts 13, 1 to 3, which I think is going to be very relevant, actually, to our eldership. Okay. And you have to forgive me, I'm slightly dyslexic, so when I read things, I can get the words down the wrong way, but that's okay. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed. So, this is in adversity, this is in difficulty, this is in persecution. It's not a beautiful, bright, apostolic table that they've just laid it out. So where should we strategically church plant? You know, this is out of problems and difficulties and troubles, you know? Sound like your church? Sound like that background? Sound lots of difficulties? That's okay. God works out of persecution, he works out of difficulties. Those who've been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. They were spreading the word only amongst the Jews. Okay, so first of all, the gospel was just going to Jewish believers or Jewish people. Some of them, however, it's like shock horror, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks. Also, this is the Gentiles, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Now, the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem. So they sent Barnabas. And interesting enough, do you know what Barnabas' name is? Son of Encouragement. Interesting, kind of fits in. We haven't got time to look, but it kind of fits in. They needed encouragement. They sent the encourager. They sent Barnabas. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, or what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. But he kind of senses there's something missing here. That we need a bit more here. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Of course, we know Saul by his new name, Paul. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Isn't that interesting? First time we're, you know, we call ourselves Christians, that's moved right back into Antioch. And then if you flip over, the second time this church is mentioned, it's mentioned several times, but the second time is Acts 13, verses 1 to 3. And I find this fascinating, especially in the light of what we're going to do this morning. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. In other words, a multiplicity of what we would call Ephesians 4 ministries. So there were teachers and prophets. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and set them off. I just want to make four very simple points for you, specifically the Blackboard <coughs> Church for this season. Number one, this is to be a church made up of the nations. Yeah, it's right. a church yeah. for the nations yeah. and it's a church of the nations. It's yeah. a church of multi-ethnicity and cultural diversity. So let's just look at some people here. And I think, it's interesting, I think your leadership is a bit of a microcosm of your church. In fact, you should better look at your leaders and say, wow, see how they love one another. 
that's how we're going to find out. But see how they're friends together. Well, that's how we're going to be friends. See what ethnicity and different age groups and well, that's how we're to be. Now, just have a look at this group. Barnabas. Now we know Barnabas. We know his background. He's described before as a Levite from Cyprus. So he's a Mediterranean Jewish guy, probably of quite an elite background, an elite Jewish background, uh, but from Greece. So he's a Greek Mediterranean. And then we've got, and this is, this is not very culturally sensitive. The Bible isn't very culturally sensitive. But Simeon called Niger. Does anyone hazard a guess at what Niger might mean? It means black. It means blacking. Tell them, oh, oh, should we even say that? Well, the Bible is very clear that in this very first Gentile church, right at the heart of it, I was going to say white and black. Actually, there's no white there at all. <laughs> there's, there's Mediterranean and black. Isn't that fascinating? Probably he was an ex-African slave. That's what the commentators think, probably. Certainly from Cyrene. Now, some commentators say Simon from Cyrene. Does that kind of ring any bells? Well, it could be Simeon from Cyrene, because Simeon and Simon are the same name. It would be very interesting if it was Simeon from Cyrene, because he's the guy who carried Jesus' cross. <laughs> Remember that? that could be. There's only one letter difference, and Simeon and Simon are the same name, actually. Could be. Who knows? Anyway, we know he's a black guy, probably a slave, now free. And then you've got Lucius of Cyrene. Hey, guess what? Another black guy. So of the three first names, we get two black guys in there. Again, possibly another slave. We don't know, but probably that's why they're there, because they've got their freedom. Lu uh, Lucius of Cyrene. Manian who was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. And what that means is not just he was in the same class at school, but actually he was in the family of Herod. He's probably royalty, some sort of cousin or second cousin or, or, or whatever. This is ex-slaves and royalty together. This is black and brown together. This is Jews and Gentiles together, right in the heart of the whole thing. And then we get Saul, or Paul, as we know him, who's this brilliant intellect, this Pharisee of the Pharisees, one who studied the feet of Gamaliel, such a brilliant guy, with some perhaps guys who have just been slaves. This is the educated and the uneducated. This is the black and the white. This is the slave and the free. This is the Jew and the Gentile. Isn't it wonderful together that that first leadership team that's expanded includes that? I think that gives us some faith to lay hands on some people afterwards. It also means this. It shows that there's a place for you in the church. Because when you see a multicultural leadership, when you see leaders who are black and white, when you see leaders who are educated and uneducated, when you see leaders who are older and younger, you go, oh, there's a place for me in the church. And that's what, it's really important, actually, what we do at the front. Yeah, it actually really is. Because it mirrors there's a place for you. And when people come into the church, they go, oh, well, I can identify with somebody like that. I can identify, there's a place for me right. here. And also, look at your friends. No one is too far from the gospel. Because, yeah. how, I mean, Paul, how far was Paul from the gospel? We yeah. know his story. There were slaves in there, there was people from royalty in there. No one's too high, no one's too low. No one's too intellectual, no one's too stupid. Yeah. No one's a different cultural background. Everyone gets to share in this. It should give us real faith. There's a place for you 
it should also give us real faith that as we're evangelizing, that actually whoever we meet, there's a place for them in the church as well. Yeah. And actually, it probably should give us a wonderful glimpse of eternity. Because yeah. in eternity, every tribe, tongue, language, and nation yeah. worshipping and surfing around the throne. This is a taste of heaven. This is heaven on earth. Yeah. Now, people say, oh, it's much better to plant churches that are what's called homogeneous, in other words, people just like me. Actually, no, it isn't. Yeah. It's much better to get a plurality of nations. It's much better to get a, a so that Pete doesn't feel I'm the oldest guy here by 20 years. <laughs> He's looking around and going, I, I'm, I'm, pretty young, I'm a pretty young guy now. <laughs> so, isn't it, you know, maybe, I don't know who was the first person of ethnic or different ethnicity who came in and hit you only one. No, actually, you're not. There's many. God's doing it. So let's celebrate this. Let's celebrate this is the church of Jesus. Multi-ethnic, multi-cultural, a church of the nations and a church for the nations. The second point is this. It's really simple. What does Barnabas say when he looks? He's an encourager. He's always like Andy. He's always looking for the best. You know, Andy never finds the worst. He always looks for the best. You know, might find a bit bad, but then he heals it up and sorts it out. He's just like Andy, having Andy amongst you. He says, this is a church of grace. Mm. He saw evidence of the grace of God. Yeah. And what did he say? I don't know, he doesn't tell us. But I wonder if he literally just saw that. He literally just saw, wow, this is guy who's Herod the Tetrarch's relationship with some black slaves. This is Paul with, with this, wow, this is amazing. Look at the incredible grace of God that's here. Well, we need to look around and say, isn't this grace? Yeah. Isn't this amazing grace that saved a wretch like me and included me in this community? Isn't this wonderful? And grace for us should be just such a huge foundational thing. It's all of him and not of me. There's no competition here. We're not all, you know, you get the assumption. I just, I thought it's so wonderful how Julia led us and then they just made space and then Jenny came in and then Anne and Andy. But no one was vying for the front. We were all just giving each other space, in it. but we were encouraging you guys to all step forward in your grace gift. Yeah. <laughs> That's the grace of God. It's not about platforms, it's about the body being released into ministry. That's the grace of God. For us, grace isn't just a doctrine of salvation, it's how we run our meetings, it's how we live our lives, it's how, we, how we're kind and loving and merciful to each other, and a bit provocative as well. You know, we kind of provoked you a bit this morning. Yeah. Probably you wouldn't have stepped forward unless we'd done that. Yeah. I, I heard um, Ben say to Jeff, I was just going to keep, uh, keep playing because I knew you had something. I was going to keep going until you brought it. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a bit provoking. <laughs> not very loving. Ash is very loving. Very grace filled. Because grace provokes, grace yeah. stirs, grace gives room. Grace just isn't sloppy and sugary, grace is sharp encouraging and provocative. Yeah. What a beautiful church this was that was the grace of God. And also there were grace gifts in this church. We started the meeting, didn't we? You picked it up so brilliantly this morning, Pete, that, that apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors all to build the body up in love. But to build the body up. And I, I think when Barnabas gets there, he goes, this is a graceful church. But we need a bit more grace. We need another grace gift here. What's missing? And so he goes and gets Paul, and he has faith for Paul when others are a bit nervous of Paul. At this point, people are a bit nervous of Paul. You know, it's like 
he, you've got to get, I don't even know what the modern day equivalent was, which that would have been. It's like, you know, bringing, I'm just going to bring my Russian friend to the next meeting, put Vladimir, you know. It's like, really? <laughs> oh, right, okay, you sure? You know? Or, you know, or, or an African might be, I've got this friend, Robert Mugabe. <laughs> really? Because he was a persecutor of the church, and suddenly, yeah, the grace of God has come to him. Barnabas has got faith for him. And actually, the evidence of the grace of God is wonderful. What's going to happen here is a missionary, a missionary movement is going to start out of this church. But it requires Barnabas to get some faith to go, I'm going to pull in a pull here who's a bit uncomfortable, and we're a bit uncomfortable here, but we're going to team it together. Because, you see, this is all about the grace of God. It's not about one person. It's about a multiplicity of people. When Anne and I first went to Africa, and by the way, we love going to Africa. It's one of the highlights of our year when we get to go to Africa. We get, uh, we get to go primarily to our African bases. And we have two apostolic bases in Africa, one based in Zambia and one based in Ghana. And they're reaching out to all the surrounding nations. Uh, we've got some 175 churches, I think, that they're serving in about 15 or so different nations. But it's just wonderful. We saw this poster. It said this. If you want to go faster, go alone. But if you want to go further, go together. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. It's interesting how they eventually send them out two by two. Yeah. But Barnabas says, I need help here. Yeah. It's okay to say you need help. It's okay to say, Andy, we need help. Mm. Oh, we're a weak church, are we? Thinking, no, you're a strong church because you've asked Andy. Mm. It yeah. takes strength to say, we need some help. Yeah. It yeah. takes strength to say, hey, great man, could you help us with this issue? Yeah. It takes strength. I want to yeah. encourage you. Yeah. We need one another. Of course, not every church is going to have the full fivefold ministry of apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. That's why we need a movement of churches yeah. to serve yeah. one another. Right. So well done, leaders. Well done, Ben and Jen, for inviting in Andy. Well done for inviting in Graf. Thanks for inviting us to this. Great, because we, we can partner with you in some of this stuff. We need one another. This is the grace of God. Yeah. Third point. This is a church shaped by the Spirit. It was while they were worshipping, fasting, praying, God said, I want to commend you to her. You're a church not shaped by programs. You're a church not shaped by an order of service. You're a church not shaped by, just, are we just ticking this off the list? You're a church shaped by the Spirit. Anything this weekend, it's been Spirit-shaped. It's been Spirit-led. And you can't point to any one person, because it's the Spirit doing it. A tongue here, a word here, a prophecy there, an encouragement. It's the Spirit. Yeah. I mean, I find it fascinating. If you study Acts, you know it's written by Luke, and Luke is probably a medical doctor. He's such a careful writer. He's so precise, as medical doctors are and should be. You don't want a sloppy, you don't really want a sloppy doctor, do you? You want a precise doctor. Luke, I mean, it's Luke who records where people's names, where they're from, he records their diseases, he, he's kind of quite sharp on it. And many people think that Acts, being Luke's second book, when he writes this guy Theophilus, some people think it's the, it's the court papers for Paul, because it kind of ends up, the Acts ends up with Paul in prison. And it may just be that Luke is collecting the story to be told, maybe even in a court of defence. If that's true, I don't know, but I do know this, Luke is very careful. He records everything. Mm -hmm. 
surely, I mean, the whole book about Acts is probably, the Acts of the Apostles, yes, but it's a lot about Paul. And this is the start of Paul's journey. Surely, you'd refer to who said it. It was, it was Manny who said it. It was, it was Barnabas who said it. No, it just as the Holy Spirit said. Yeah. Set apart from Paul and Barnabas. Now, what am I referring from that? It doesn't matter who says it. No. From a human agency, it doesn't matter. It's the Spirit who says it. Now, I'm not negating leadership. I'm sure they weighed it, whoever brought it. I'm sure leadership brought security and governance and clarity and vision and, 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 and faith to it. But we don't know who said it. What that says to me is this. The next missionary thrust of this church, the next movement out to care for the poor and the needy, the next outbreak amongst a new community may not come from the four elders. Yeah. That might, because they're part of the body as well. But it might come through you. Because Jesus said, all my sheep hear my voice. And we want to produce a church, we want to produce churches where everyone's individual connection is with Jesus. Yes, that's got to be in a body. Yes, that's got to be in community. But the danger is, so many churches, their connection with Jesus is through their pastor. Their connection with Jesus is through their leadership. And what does the Lord say to me? Please, and it's almost... Like you're trying to read a horoscope or trying to read their palm or something. No, no, you talk to Jesus. Yeah. Jesus yeah. will speak yeah. to you by the Spirit. Yeah. You can hear him by the Spirit. Yeah. In fact, that's a really healthy church is we're all hearing him. And if it's the same Jesus and the same Spirit we're hearing, we're going to be hearing the same things together, yeah. which is wonderful, as we have been doing. Yeah. We shouldn't be surprised. You started with Ephesians, that was a bit of luck, wasn't it? No. It's like the Spirit speaking, speaking to us, and it's important. So I can think of a couple of churches we've been in, the major thrusts of our ministry, and reference Teesside, where we became known, we had about 300 people, 100 of them were assigned to the refugees. Mm-hmm. And we became known as that church that cared for some. That ministry, and now we've got, I think, 30 or 40 houses, and it's, it's continuing incredible. It started by a lady in the church mm-hmm. who prayed to God, I, I want to see some black faces in this church. And she, she went out on the streets and started to talk to some people and brought them in. Now, as elders, we had faith as elders, we brought governance, as elders, we brought security. But where did that ministry start? It started with a lady called Jill in the church. She was not even anything, but she, wasn't, she and her husband weren't even small group leaders. Yeah, there, there was no part of any leadership structure at all. God spoke to her. Now, we owned it together as a community. But I just, you know, to tell you about Manchester, the church that you guys helped farm, uh, we helped shape her. A little bit later, but we became known in Manchester as the biggest food bank for the area, particularly in Salford. It was the so when Coronation Street, uh, other slopes are available. <laughs> when Coronation Street wanted to do a story on a food bank, they came to our food bank to film because we, we were well known in the area. They came to the crew, filmed a bit of a story on food bank. It was in, the, in, in, in Coronation Street. It was one of our small groups. We just asked, we said one season, each of the small groups, could you just pray about what God is saying to the church and bring it to us? And one of the small groups said, and this is well before food banks were popular, this is going back years and years and years ago, just feel we should start a food bank. And we, we said to that small group, yeah, we feel that, how about you guys run it? And they did, and they started and pioneered it, now became the biggest food bank in the area. Right? It wasn't any of the elders or leaders, it was a small group. God can do that. And I want to encourage you. Now, 
Don't hear me wrong. God can and does speak through your elders. And we want to honour that and affirm that. I don't want to so push this that the elders can't direct. You know, they can't, don't they? No, they're going to lead. They're going to direct. They're going to, they're going to do that. But in their leading and directing, it's important all of you to hear from God and all of you to have breakouts of the Spirit and to expect that to happen because the Spirit spoke. Uh, fourth and final point. So we've said it's a church of the nations, made of the nations, culturally, ethnically diverse. It's a church of grace. It's a church shaped by the Spirit. It's a church that went to the nations, that sent to the nations, that released people to the nations. Now here, specifically, it releases Paul and Barnabas. But I want to say prophetically, that is a type or an example of everyone being released. Now I believe in the New Testament, each one of us gets to be a gospel carrier. Each one of us gets to shine the light and carry the light. Each one of us gets to be a missionary. The word missionary, it's interesting. In New Frontiers, Andy, we have a, a weird saying. We talk about, we talk about um, apostolic mission. That's just like saying that round circle. Because it's tautology, it's the same thing. The, the word in the New Testament for being sent with authority is the word apostolic, apostle. Sent with authority. And the church is sent with authority. Everyone is sent. Jesus said to all his disciples, I send you with the authority of heaven. I've been sent with authority of heaven, therefore I send you. There's an apostolic call on every Christian to be sent with authority, to be apostolic. When they were translating the New Testament into Latin, they couldn't find a Latin word for apostle. They just couldn't find one, wasn't there? So they got the nearest one, which was missio, means to be sent with authority and we get the word mission from missio so it's exactly the same context it's the same word so every one of you is an apostolic delegate in the workplace every one of you is a missionary in the workplace we don't think oh missionaries is just a few people out in china or a few people out in africa or we tend to think of oh, the apostles that's just jeremy and his team now actually if we are truly an apostolic movement it means every one of us is carrying part of that calling to be a light for Jesus in the workplace. Right. And I'm going to say to you, just look at your watch or your phone. Yes, he's been going on too long. <laughs> What's the time? Well, we're going to finish, right? Quarter past 12. It's great you're in church at quarter past 12 on a Sunday. But where will you be quarter past 12 tomorrow? Just have a think about it. Where will you be tomorrow? Quarter past 12 at school, at college, in the, in the surgery, in the factory in the community, in the shops, in the pubs, in the clubs, wherever. I don't know where, where you'll be tomorrow at 12, 15. But I believe God is more concerned and more interested where you'll be tomorrow than where you've been today. Yeah. Because you are carrying something of the message of Jesus. Jesus said he was the light of the world. Then he turned to his disciples and said, you're the light of the world. And Jesus sends you out into darkness. Mm. He sends you out into difficult places. He sends you out into places that need to hear the gospel. So the whole point of us establishing New Testament churches and New Testament leadership and being an Antioch church is ultimately that we might send people out to reach the world. Your beautiful scrap line, which I, I can't remember what it is now, but it's about, you know, it's about being a light or a hope or a, a life, life, of life, life of Christ, lost and broken world. So again, bringing the life of Christ to a lost and broken world. Bringing the life of Christ to a lost and broken world. Well, our mission is not just to build great churches. Yeah. The church is just a vehicle to do that. Yeah. It, it, it's a way to do that. 
Now we receive the glory of God here, we receive the presence of God here, we get filled here, we get empowered here. Not so we yeah. go, hey, we had a great church weekend. Yeah. So we can be carriers of the light and life of Christ yeah. into the workplace. So I just want, before we call, I wonder if somebody, would somebody just go and tell the guys we're finished, just one person, go and tell the kids, workers, we're, we're oh, someone's going, Giselle, thank you. I'm just going to pray for us. Just, just like, put your hand on yourself. <laughs> right? We're going to kind of commission you. Right? Normally we'd lay hands on one another. That's all right. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this body. You are building us together as an Antioch-type church. But Lord, the whole point of this Antioch church is it went to the nations, it went to the world, it went to the workplace, it went out from itself. And I want to pray, Lord, whether it's literally to the nations, whether it's the nations in our workplaces, whether it's the local Lancastrians, whether it's the local black Pudlians, whatever we call them, whether it's neighbours, friends, family. We ask you, Lord, that you send us out with the light of Christ. You send us out with this apostolic authority. Jesus said to the disciples, go into all the world. That includes Blackpool. Yeah. Bringing the authority, the light and the gospel. We ask you, Lord, that this would be a growing church. I thank you for Ginny's word about a double. Yeah. I pray for a double end. Yeah. Because we're seeing loads and loads of people saved. Lord, we ask you that we'd be a missionary church, a missionary church. We'd see not missionary something in China, like, great, that's wonderful. We'd see every one of us as a missionary carrying the gospel of Jesus right out into a dark world. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, downloads and podcasts, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk.